Good morning, Fellowship Favor. Let's stand together. We get to worship the one true King this morning. So let's start by proclaiming this text. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, Most High, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. We're going to proclaim that as we sing these songs. Let's sing together.
guys can have a seat. Welcome to Fellowship. We're so excited that you're here and worshiping with us this morning. If you're joining us here in person or online, man, we're blessed to be able to praise the Lord together. My name is Ryan Burton. I'm a worship pastor here. I started in January last year, so right before COVID hit. And so um, my family is also uh, very much embedded at Fellowship at this at this point. My wife, Chelsea, she uh, works right down the hall. It's a picture of her and my family there. So she's, she's on the early childhood team. And so if you've got little kiddos, then uh, you might see her down there. That's my two-year-old daughter, Hattie, that I'm obsessed with. And as you can see on her shirt, that's our announcement that we're having another kid here in about a month and a half. We've got another, thank you, we've got another baby girl that's gonna show up, so we'll have sisters running around. But, but that's my family. Um, and I get the privilege this morning to help lead us into a new series. And so we're coming off of Easter. Um, we just got to celebrate our risen King. And what does that mean for us now as children of God? And so we're gonna aim to answer that question over the next four weeks. So what are we freed from? What are we freed for? And so with that, we get to partner really closely with Celebrate Recovery. I'm really excited for that partnership. And because of that partnership, we're gonna hear some really incredible life change stories. And I wanted to kick us off by sharing one that in particular is really close to my heart. And it has to do with Chelsea's father, my father-in-law, his name is Donnie. And his story is incredible. So he, he loved Chelsea well growing up. He cared for her well. He took care of her. He, he guided her well. But as she got older, things began to change a little bit for him. Um, he started out with a good job and um, he ended up losing his job. He was really uh, struggling in his marriage um, that eventually ended in divorce. Um, he became addicted to drugs and to gambling and lost essentially everything, so much so to where he even ended up homeless for a stint. And on top of all that, in all the midst of that chaos and sin, he discovers that he has stage four lung cancer and he's given a year to live. So all this compounded um, to really put him at a rock bottom, and he was hopeless. Uh, and through much prayer and uh, persuasion through my wife, Chelsea, she was able to convince him to go through chemo, something that he didn't wanna do. He started going through chemo, and, and over the next few months as he's doing that, the Lord started to really work in his life. Holy Spirit revealed himself to Donnie and Donnie decided to follow Christ. And when he did that, things changed instantly for him. Um, almost overnight, he no longer wrestled with these addictions. He was able to walk away from them, which is kind of unheard of. Um, he reconciled with his wife. They are back together now. They're remarried. She became a Christian because of his testimony, because of the work of God in Donnie's life. Um, and God healed Donnie of cancer, something that the doctor said was impossible. Um, but that's not really what this story is about, being freed from addictions or being healed from cancer. I know there are a lot of us that still walk in those things, walk in addiction or battling disease. And, and Donnie would say that's not what his story is about, but instead his identity changed in the moment that he became a child of God. And it's so evident we see that in his life. He loves spending his time hanging out with his, his granddaughter, Hattie. 
him and his wife moved up here. So we've got grandparents here now. And, um, and this, this life change that happened five years ago and uh, we get to see the fruit of that. She has a loving and caring grandpa now, a papa. Um, and he just spends his time almost every day. All he cares about is getting time in the word, praying, and he loves to walk around and sing hymns. And I just love that. And one of the hymns that he is just constantly singing is because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know I know he holds the future and life is worth living just because he is. So let's stand together and let's proclaim these praises with each other this morning. Give thanks to the Lord. God sent his They called him Jesus, he came to
thankful for your presence in this place, God. Now, God, as you lead us into this new series, I just pray that you'd open every heart and every mind to receive specifically what you would have for each and every one of us. God, continue to meet with us here this morning as we praise your name and dig deeper into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat, church family. Good morning. Uh, my name is Clark. If I haven't met you, and I have the privilege of being on a fantastic team here at Fellowship Fayetteville, great pastoral team, and um, we love being with you here uh, back on Sunday mornings. For those of you watching on live stream, uh, thanks for being part of our church family as well. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us today, and so as we get started um, and move into this next series, 
Uh, just a few reminders. I wanted to make you aware of a few things. Um, if you are new with us, and maybe last week at Easter was your first time with us, um, you can scan this uh, QR reader and someone will contact you and just kind of help you figure out, well, how do you get plugged in here at Fellowship Fayetteville? If you want to see a real live masked person, then you can make your way outside the foyer on your way out. And, um, and we've got some folks um, there at the community booth that can get you connected as well. If you are a young adult and you consider yourself in that season of your life, which I consider myself still in that season, Rodney, right? I'm so hip and cool and I'm that person. Well, I'm on Tuesday night, April 20th, um, we're going to have a, a night of worship for you, for you to gather with your friends and come in and celebrate. We're going to have some teaching. And, um, and so it's just a different way to gather on a different night of the week. And um, and to meet some new folks and engage that young community of faith. And so put that on your calendar. Um, well, we are excited about this series, Rodney and Carol. It, um, something we've been talking about for months. Um, we're going to be walking through Hebrews together this summer. But before we get there, we wanted to take the opportunity to celebrate Easter for a few more weeks. And bring it to the ground level, okay? If we've been raised with Christ. If this physical reality is true that he's been raised from the dead, it has spiritual implications for us now on this planet as we interact with one another, as we fight sin and struggle well together. And so um, we're going to do a handshake with CR, celebrate recovery um, over the next four weeks. And so we've got Rodney Holmstrom. Come on up here, Rodney. And uh, his wife, Carol, is with us this morning as well. And uh, many of you know them. And uh, Rodney's going to be teaching this morning. I'm teaching the next week. Brian Pope will be with us. And then Andy Petrie, who leads our Celebrate Recovery initiative down here, will be with us um, in our fourth week. And so we're going to be walking through these truths. And so if you would like for the next four weeks in your devotional time, this will also be in your connect. If you use that for your small group, you can use Colossians chapter three as a guide. And we're going to just walk through these simple truths and look at freedom from who we've been freedom from what we've done, freedom for a new identity, and freedom for a new way of living. Uh, most times, Rodney, when we think of freedom, we think about freedom from something. Yep. But God set us up to be free for something bigger as he sets us free from ourselves. And so, Rodney, thank you for your service in CR and just all the goodness that you and Carol bring to our staff and just this incredible joy to work with. And I appreciate your friendship. Thank you, brother. I so, appreciate you. I love you, man. Love you, yeah. too. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. So good to be here with you. I, I just want to say I love being a part of a church, and what an incredible church body this is, that, that it's okay to not be okay, that you guys truly get your leadership, and you get that, that the church is not supposed to be a hotel for the healthy. <laughs> it's supposed to be a hospital for the sick, so we can come into this place. And I love what God is doing through the community groups here at Fellowship Fayetteville. There's a lot of life change. There's a heart change happening. But I also love that, that the leadership here embraces that if the church is truly a hospital, then there's a wing of this hospital called Celebrate Recovery. I've never been to the ER and walked in and, and said to someone in the emergency room, uh, I can't believe you're here. How dare you walk into the emergency room? No, I'm glad you're here. If you need this extra attention, if you need this help, 
This is the place to be. And I love that Fellowship Fable says, no matter where you are, we have different tracks for you. It's through community groups, or maybe it is through Celebrate Recovery, maybe it's through counseling. Whatever you need, we're on the same team, right? We're on the same team, and we're going to remove whatever's creating havoc in your life so that you can live out the purpose that God has for you in your life. I feel like I need to introduce myself the way I do in Celebrate Recovery. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and food issues and a whole host of other character defects. And my name is Rodney. It's so good to see you guys. I guess you have to be really, really, really messed up to lead the ministry, so that, that should make you feel better, right? <laughs> but I love uh, listening to Michael Smith's talk last week, one of the greatest stories ever told, the Easter story. And if I'm being honest, one of my mindsets was a little bit faulty when I thought about the Easter story. It was, Jesus came to, to save me so that I could live in heaven one day, which that's a part of the gospel, Right? But then I got to go deal with all the stuff, all the muck in my life that, that's got me stuck. I didn't understand that the full gospel understanding was to, to receive salvation, but then to have his power working in and through me to be able to face the hurts, the havoc, the, the compulsive behaviors that I might have developed having lived in this broken world. And so I'm excited uh, th through this idea of how do we live a life free from who we've been? There's a thought that I want you to kind of just camp on as we walk through this time together this morning, and it's this, that life is being hidden with Christ, but misery is a life being hidden from Christ. For too long, I stayed hidden from Christ, even though I was a believer in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to jump into Colossians 3 and, and unpack what it means. What's the ramifications of, of walking a life of freedom? What does the resurrection mean for me personally? And Paul, let me just set a, a quick context here. Paul is really talking to kind of this pagan culture. And, and the majority of the audience that's listening to his words have never heard what he's about to share. And, and what he's about to share is a game changer. And my hope for us this morning is if you've not heard the gospel this way through Paul's words through Colossians, that it would be a game changer for you, that you could learn how to be free from who you've been so that you can ultimately live out God's purpose for your life. And so let's jump in to Colossians 3. Colossians 3 verse 1 starts this way. Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, not on the things the world says will, will bring you help and comfort, but on above and where Jesus is. Verse three, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, he is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So as we look at this passage, I almost want to start with verse three and that four. I could almost change that to a because. Because, because we have died and our life is now hidden with Christ, we can do what he's going to ask us to do in verses one and two and everything that follows these first four verses. Because we are hidden with Christ. 
But there's a couple things I want to highlight with you that they're kind of revelation for me in my own walk as a Christian. What Paul says, since then you have been raised, it'd be easy just to open my Bible and say, okay, he's talking to me. Get your life right, right? Roddy, your choices, I'm talking specifically to you, but he's not just talking to me. He's not just talking to you. He's talking to us. This is where I think one of the few times in scripture we can actually say y'all or all y'all, right? I don't know what the difference is, but um, you all, y'all, all y'all have been raised with Christ. So there's a great application here that my choices not only have ramifications for my own soul and my own walk, they actually have a collateral damage on the body of Christ, starting with my own family. But here's the cool thing. Just like they have a damage and the collateral damage in not dealing with my heart issues and my wrong thinking, they can have a positive effect as well. So Paul's reminding us, don't forget, I'm talking to all of you because what you do individually, the, the seeds that you're sowing will multiply something. What do you want to be multiplied? Something that is of Christ or something that is of earthly so we got to keep that in context, but I want to show you this, this uh, chart here because I think it really helps me and my, my thinking uh, to, to kind of understand how life kind of works. We all have events in our life. It may be from your childhood. It may be from this past year. I think this past year, we all can relate to something very significant, can't we? We face this pandemic, and, and those events in our life can create hurt, some really deep wounds. And if you look at the statistics, part of my, my job as a ministry leader and a counselor is I, I keep up with the, the statistics, and, I, and it's mind-blowing, the, the anxiety and the depression and the addictions, compulsive behaviors, pornography, alcohol, substance abuse. There's so many things going on as a result of the hurt that people have experienced. But like I did, and maybe you can relate, I ran from those hurts on that chart. And I found myself stuck and hung up with some faulty core beliefs in the way I see God, myself, and others. I began to believe that I was somehow faulty, that I was unlovable, that, that I didn't deserve anything. And so in that mindset, I developed this false perception of God and others and even my circumstances and how they should be dealt with. And when we have that kind of a faulty a mindset then we find ourselves in some unhealthy practices. Now, we know the habits like drugs and alcohol and pornography and sex, those kind of things, right? But there's some things that we may not think about, these defenses or protections that we can fall into that, that can take us to places that are unhealthy, like people-pleasing or, or control or low self-esteem and, and, and all these things pushing people away in our, in our conflicts, Right? And somebody that is living with those kind of practices, ultimately, exactly what Paul's saying here, y'all, all y'all, the collateral damage is the other. How does my choice, your choice, our choices affect each other? And so we have to be aware of that as we set this context. But the first thing uh, right after that is, I, I don't want you to miss the order of what Paul's talking about here. He says, set your hearts on things above. I think that's fascinating. He focuses on the heart before he goes to the mind. See, there's this a principle here where if we're to understand how we can be free from who we've been, we need to acknowledge where we are. 
So when we talk about setting our hearts above, it's wherever my heart is, my wounded heart, the events of living in a broken world, I'm going to set that broken, good, bad, ugly, indifferent heart above to you, Father, because I trust you and I receive this gospel message of living a resurrected life. I'm going to give it to you. The greatest picture I can paint of this, if, if you were on a boat by yourself and you were uh, manning this, this boat by yourself and the boat broke down and you're in the middle of nowhere, you see no land for miles and miles and miles, you know you can't swim to shore because you can't see it, right? I don't have an extra raft. I can't, I can't row myself home. And so I need to get on the radio and call for help. And so you get on the radio and you call for help. The person on the other end of that radio picks up and their first question to you, knowing you're stranded, is, where are you? Here's where I think we get in danger as Christians. Instead of answering that question directly, we start getting lost in the, the debris around it. We say, well, I really should have done a better job maintaining this boat. I wish I'd have changed the oil. I wish I'd have gotten help or had somebody do a checkup on it because maybe I don't have the skill set, right? I wish, I wish, I wish. I should have, could have, would have, right? And the guy on the other end of that radio is saying, no, that's not what I asked you. I said, where are you? What's your coordinates? I need to come find you. Now, let's be clear. Jesus doesn't need us to tell him where we are, but there is a practice that he needs us to swallow our pride and in humility say, this is where I am. I think, and, I think, and this is where I think Paul is saying, set your hearts on things above. If your heart is hurting, if it is broken, it is fragile, I need you to set that broken, fragile heart up to me where I am. And I will bring the healing as we notice and we honor and we organize those emotions in that woundedness so that you don't have to do it on your own. Because here's the reality. Until I can admit that I'm lost or that I'm a prisoner, I'll never admit that I need a rescuer. I have to acknowledge I am lost. God, I am so broken. I am hurting. I need you to come wrap your arms around me. Save me for I'm stranded and I've gotten off track, I need your help. You know, one of the things I think that takes us in that from being hidden with Christ to being hidden from Christ is this thing called misery. And I lived on Misery Island for a long time. You know, it's interesting, when you look at that word misery, I found a German word uh, for misery. It's actually Eland, and here's the definition. It's to wander away from our native land. Where's our native land? To be hidden with Christ to be here in our native land with the Father, with his arms wrapped around us, with the good, the bad, the ugly, as he begins to heal our broken heart. But a lot of times in our hurt, we wander away from our native land. And finishing that definition, to wander away from our native land, we go over here to Misery Island, and we stay in a state of homesickness. See, the same enemy that was kind of luring us away, well, you've messed up now. You can't stay in your native land anymore that took us away from our native land with the Father to be hidden with him. It's actually luring us away to be hidden from him now. And now we're in this place of misery. He's the same one that's saying, you can't go home now. He's not going to accept you. Are you feeling weak? Well, I can give you strength. Here's something that will make you feel stronger. Are you, are you hurting? Hey, I'll give you something that will give you the comfort that you need. 
You need a sense of identity. Hey, take it by the, just do it, do it, do it. You can do it. And it's perform, perform, perform. And we stay over here in Misery Island. The enemy would just love for us to stay over here. But Jesus says, I died, was buried and resurrected so that you could stay home with me, hidden with Christ, not hidden from Christ so that we could live the life that I called you to live. The irony is, we stay disconnected. We want to be connected, but we, we lose connection with God and we lose connection with the beautiful body that God has put around us as believers in Jesus Christ. I love the way Ephesians 2.13 puts it. But now, think about being on Misery Island, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away in Misery Island have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come home. Come home. And the greatest way we can come home is to acknowledge that there is pain. This is where I am. I am lost. Father, I need your help. And then we lean into the pain. We lean into that pain and we let go of that prisoner thinking that kept us stranded on Misery Island. I don't want to live there anymore. You know, when I read uh, Romans 7, it feels like Paul is sharing my testimony, but he says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I, do not, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. I don't have the power within myself. I can't. My life is unmanageable. I'm stranded. I need help. And I've been trying so hard to gain my own security, my own strength, my own comfort, my own sense of identity over here on Misery Island. I need to come home. I can't do it on my own. I surrender it to you, Father. And Jesus gladly accepts that. Because here's the reality. We can't face our pain alone. You and I were not designed or wired to face it alone. This is the very reason why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he was buried. That's why he was resurrected. And that's why he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us so that we could, with the body of Christ and inviting Jesus into this, face the pain that we may be facing in our life. Healing to the pain is in the pain. 1 John 1, 9 puts it this way, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we need to set our broken, our good, bad, ugly, indifferent heart above where Christ is. But then Paul goes into the second part of this, set your minds, set your minds on things above, not on those earthly things. See, when I worked in a bookstore, the largest section in that bookstore was self-help. And they just keep growing and growing and growing and growing. There's only one thing that can fully give us the life change. And Paul's letting us know, set your minds on things that are above, not on those earthly things. Set them on Jesus. See, I think this is where the enemy will hijack us in our pain. When you think about that cycle, he will take that pain and convince us on Misery Island of that core identity and who we are. And we, and we live in this place that I'm a bad person, I'm unlovable, and we stay stuck. It's almost like he kidnaps the true us. And we begin to put this mask up, and we build this false version of ourselves. I need to be more clever. I need to be smarter. I need to, I need to act better, be better, do better. And it's about performance instead of being 
Shame tends to be our kidnapper. And as long as I'm wearing this mask, nobody is going to love the real me. They're going to love this false version of myself. And I'm a firm believer. If I can't receive it, I can't give it. Back to what y'all, right? All y'all. If I can't receive it, I'm not going to be able to give it to you. And now we're, we're creating a new ripple effect that's unhealthy. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, Beware of no man more than yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. When we fall into that shame, one of the greatest things I did, or the worst things, however you want to look at it, that I did was I kind of pointed the finger. It's your fault. If you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done this. If you would have done this, I wouldn't have done this, right? And when we get into that place of shame and we put that mask up, what we end up doing is we stop falling under authority. And a man or woman that is not living under authority is on a dangerous path. No, I need to learn to take responsibility. It's not my fault for the things that happened, but it is now my responsibility. I need to take ownership of this. Because the biggest fear I had in my own shame was being seen. And if you see me, you're not going to like what you see, and you're going to cut me off and push me away. So I'd go and hide from Christ, away from the body of Christ, and I'd live in Misery Island. And Jesus, through his resurrection, says, no, that's not how it works. You come home and bring your authenticity, and together we will walk through this, and we'll experience the healing that you're longing for in your life. So he says, set your heart, set your mind, What's the faulty thinking? Moving from I'm unlovable to I matter. Jesus loves me. This is why he died. He died for me. He died for you. He died for us. God, you have the power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living and breathing inside of me. Verse three, for you died. He's talking to all of us, all y'all. For all y'all died in your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As I was chewing on this, this verse, it was just this, this word picture uh, coming off of three hard funerals of some spiritual giants in my life. And just thinking about the impact that they had on, on my life and so many other people's life and just that seed that we're sowing We'll reap a harvest, and, and what, what kind of seed am I sowing in my life? And I think about that being hidden with Christ. I just had this picture of a, a seed in my hand. If it's in my hand as a seed, it's just a seed. But if the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, takes that seed and puts it in his hand, I just have this picture of pushing it down into deep soil, rich soil that has the nutrients to do everything that needs to happen with that seed, to to help it to grow and blossom into what Christ wants me to become. See, that seed is almost like just this big hug by Jesus being buried in this fertile soil. Say, be hidden with me. Wrap your arms around me, Father. My broken, wounded heart, I need you to just surround me with your love and compassion. Jesus, will you... Love me in this broken place, in this faulty thinking that, that took me over here to this misery island. See, I think the, the key thing here when we think about Paul saying, all y'all, 
and being hidden with Christ instead of being hidden from Christ is understanding and being aware of that shame that's keeping me away is understanding that my vulnerability and allowing empathy to come into my life, pulling that false version of myself mask off and experiencing empathy from the body of Christ and empathy from a loving, caring, compassionate, merciful father is understanding that that vulnerability and empathy will kill the shame. I love what uh, Brene Brown, an author, says about this. She says that if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. I love that. When I think about what happens here in community, when we come and we be authentic and, and we're, we're vulnerable and we, we experience empathy and responsiveness, we witness firsthand how that shame begins to die whether that's in a community group or we need a place like Celebrate Recovery to get unstuck, to get off Misery Island, we begin to see that shame die in our life. For you died and you no longer live. You no longer have to create this, this place of false versions of yourself. Be something that you're not. Verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, learning to be free and live a life of freedom is to understand that I am a struggler. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to go away to go get cleaned up so that I can come be a part of this body. I don't have to go away and, and, and look better and smell, smell better and do better so that Jesus will accept me. He says, no, this is the very reason that I came, because you were a dead man. You were a dead woman walking. Set your broken, fragile heart above. Set your fragile uh, mind that has been believing so many wrong things. Now, let me just say this. A lot of you have good reasons to believe what you're believing about yourself, God, and others. Because like myself, we've experienced hurt from people in our life that have sent a message that that very first moment that we began to understand that, that people are going to hurt us and they're going to fail us. And so by default, we came over here to this misery island and we've equated that belief system to the father. And the father says, no, that's not how I see you. That's not how I am. I love you and I want you to come it breaks my heart to see you over there. And I'm gonna keep calling out for you. Where are you? I need you to tell me, to, to swallow that pride in humility. Say, this is where I am. I don't have to be this false version. I can come as I am. We can come as we are. Jesus, I'm broken, I'm hurting, and I need your help. As the band comes back out here, I wanna kind of wrap up with, another passage that, that Paul talks about in Romans 12. I love how Paul, even that since then, he said, based on this information you've learned, based on what you've just understood, then do this. And he does the same thing in Romans 12 when he says, therefore. And in case you didn't know, anytime you see that word therefore, you know it's therefore a reason, right? So Paul, why is that therefore there? 
before I read that text, I want to go back. The first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is reminding us that we are lost at sea. We are fragile. We are broken. We are in this place of needing a Savior. We need to be rescued. And then he talks about his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension and the Holy Spirit coming to live and breathe inside of us in view of all that. In fact, in Romans 6.13, it actually says, don't present your bodies to wickedness anymore, but live as those who have been brought from death to life. You're alive. In view of all that I've just told you about his death, his resurrection, his ascension, right? Holy Spirit now living inside of me in view of all of that. Therefore, some translations will say, I appeal to you. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. And what's God's mercy? Justice says, things that took me over here on Misery Island, whether it was stuff done to me and my, my trying to deal with that hurt apart from Christ and the body of Christ. It's not my fault, but it's my responsibility. Or maybe there's things that I've done over here. The choices that I make is hurt people hurt people. I deserve the worst because I've been playing God with my life and I've been making poor choices. I've been sowing seeds, I've been multiplying destruction, creating collateral damage in my family, the body of Christ. I deserve the worst. But because of Jesus' death, his resurrection, he says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. So Paul is saying, in view of that mercy, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Jesus' message through the gospel is saying that in view of that mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. I love that we are transformed and we are transforming. We are renewed and we are being renewed. We are renewing. If you go out to any tree and dig up a tree and try to find that original seed that was planted, you're not going to find it. You know why? Because it's taken on a new form. And when we are hidden with Jesus and we allow ourselves just to be immersed in his presence and let his mighty, loving, compassionate, merciful arms come around us, he takes that original seed he allows that seed to die and become something new. We got to set our hearts above, no matter how fragile or broken that heart is. We got to set our minds above, even though it may be some ugly lies that we've been believing. And as we do that, we can know that we're accepted the big hug from the Father. We can know that we're accepted. We need to expect that we're going to take on a new form. You hang out with Jesus long enough, something's going to change in you. God can take those hurts. He can take those hangups. He can take the habits, and he can take the broken relationships and create a new form in your life. What's keeping you from living that resurrected life? 
maybe you have been trying to buy into that narrative that I did for so long. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I get to live with you for eternity. Now I'm going to go work on my stuff because I want you to be so proud of me. And when I get that cleaned up, I'll come home. There's a term in recovery we call white knuckling. And the reason it's white knuckling is because we're holding on so tight you can see the white knuckles, right? We're trying so hard to perform and be better and smell better and act better. And he's saying, would you stop trying to do? I need you to come home. So it's, it's really a principle of just letting go. Whatever I'm trying to hold on to, whatever hurts, whatever lies that have me on misery island, Father, I'm lost. I let go. Trust you. I know a life hidden with Christ is so much better than misery hidden from Christ. So my challenge to you is if there is something, maybe it is a hurt, maybe it's something you've done, maybe it's a hurt done to you and you've been trying to Deal with it on your own. Maybe today is that first step. And maybe you do need a season of celebrate recovery. There's no shame. If it gets you back on track to God's purpose for your life, to get away from who you've been so that you can become who you now are in Christ, then you go do it. Vulnerability. Humility. Honesty. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, I know there's people hurting in this room. There's people that are lost on Misery Island and they bought into the lie that it's up to them to, to face the hurt on their own. And they're scared. They're, they're afraid that if they're seen, they may be rejected. They'll kick to the curb and they'll no longer be a part of this body, let alone your child. Father, thank you for a safe place that is Fellowship Fayetteville where we can come into this hospital, whether it's in community with our brothers and sisters or maybe it is in Celebrate Recovery for a season just to get ourselves back to healing and wholeness to live out the purpose you have for us, to face the hurts, to face the lies that have us hung up so that we can take the next step forward. I pray for those in that spot, Father. Give them courage. Give them strength. We love you and we thank you for hearing our cry for help and responding with love and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, Roddy. That's the gospel. We no longer have to live in shame, so let's respond to that good news in worship. Let's stand together. Let's sing praises to the King.
since we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God.
rest of this week as we continue our weeks in worship. Guys, if you would like to take communion or um, pray with someone, we've got a prayer room right through these doors to your right, my left. Um, but as we leave, let's proclaim this truth together. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And together, let's say this. For I died my life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is my life, appears, then I also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Have a great week of worship, you guys. We'll see you next week.